This is Hard Parking, brought to you by Right Honda and Right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Jay Finning. Coming up on today's show, friend of the show, Billy Johnson returns. Find out how to win his GT500 Signature Series race car. So the big buzz in the United States right now is, you know, President Biden has finally come out with their student loan forgiveness program. This is something we've talked about on the show before in the pandemic era. We've had two episodes so far. The first one with Byron Jones, financial supporter of the show, and Brian Kalma. So Brian will be on the show today along with Wes Tankersley, and we will talk about it. Both of them major baseball fans, but we don't talk about baseball on this show, but both bring a lot of insight. And I love talking to them when it's time to talk about something that's real. You know, going into this thing, it's like, well, we could potentially have $50,000 forgiven. And I decided I'm not going to pay a dime until I have to. And once I have to, I will. So it's a really, really good discussion. Uh, I think that if you're on one side, you may understand the other side. And some people just don't understand anything. We live in a world where all people like to do is share their thoughts and share other people's opinions on things without even even A, having experienced it themselves, or B, doing any research. So we try to come with a little bit of research. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's there's no wrong, I think. There's no real wrong opinion as long as you have a thoughtful take, an insightful take. But before we get into that, and before we get to Four Wheel Online, let me tell you how my weekend has been. Uh... So we, my my wife decides she wants to throw a big party. So we have game night. We do this thing called game night. So everybody comes over, usually family and then a few so like friends that my wife just decides to invite. Not putting it on her, but I don't care. Game night is always a lot of fun, but it's nothing that I'm ever like, hey, we should do a game night. Usually it's someone else, Marcelo or, or Wilson or whatever. We got to get the house ready. But that means we got to get shit done. It's Friday night. I run to uh, the pool supply place, Leslie's. We have Leslie's everywhere here. Get what I'm going to get, come home, open up the strainer, the poolside filter, and it's the basket is broken. There's a plastic bag in there. No wonder the water started turning green. Pull the bag out, pull the container, pull the basket out, take the basket with me in the infinity back to Leslie's. Go inside, buy what I need to buy, get outside. Go to start the vehicle, it goes dead, nothing. I was like, fuck. The little key fob thing was having an issue communicating with the car the last couple days. You know, it's like, okay, fuck, have a dead battery. So, fortunately, I was about 400 yards from the nearest auto zone, but we, so we're supposed to go out with another couple, and that was in 40 minutes from this situation. So, I was like, okay. So, I start walking over to auto zone uh, as I'm crossing the street. I get notification on my home security that my wife is now home. Send her text message. Hey, uh, infinity died. I think it's got a dead battery. So she comes and picks me up at AutoZone, gives me a ride back to my car, buy a couple 10 millis, 10 millimeters, your best friend, socket, all that stuff. Uh, take the battery out, put the new battery in, nothing. Now I know what you're thinking. Okay, it's a starter. It's the alternator. No, no, listen. If it was the alternator, a brand new battery, the vehicle should start. It just would drain the battery because you need a new alternator. The, the purpose of the alternator is to charge the battery. The battery is really there for starting your vehicle. That's it. Starting your vehicle with, a, with, with you know, lights, everything. But there's nothing. And my thought is, okay, it, I probably need a new starter solenoid. If I needed a new starter, I should still have power from the new battery. So now I'm like, shit. So we get in the car. I lock it up. We go out and have a great night, Friday night. Saturday morning, I go out there during the daytime. I've, I changed my key fob battery just, just in case. And then first off, if it, were, if it would have been the key fob, I wouldn't tell anybody. But it's not the key fob. So I have to make the decision, okay, what am I going to do? Do I tow the vehicle to my home? Or do I tow it to the dealership? So I decided to tow it to the dealership because I can pay them to figure out what the fuck is wrong with it. And then I can decide, is it something I can fix myself? 
because I don't want to tow the vehicle to my house, then tow my vehicle to the dealership. And it's hot. It's still hot outside. It's still 100 degrees every day. Uh, this is a humid. This is a humid time of the year for Arizona. Uh, not interested in sitting outside and wrenching on the vehicle. I just want it done. So I'll find out in the next few days what the hell's wrong with it. And hopefully it's something simple. On my old NSX, we used to have what's called like a main relay. And when that thing goes, it's the same symptom. There's no, there's nothing. You turn the key, nothing. No click, no nothing. It's the main relay. So hopefully, maybe this Infinity has something like that. I did check the fuses. I did check the main fuse. From what I could see, I didn't pull it out and look at it. Because it's, it's really hard to get to. Because the cable it's attached to has like no pull. It's got no pull. So you can barely see anything. So, so I get home on Saturday. And, you know, my wife, she wants to get, here's the deal. She wants to get a basketball goal for the pool. And when we moved in, we had one. It got rusted. You know, my brother-in-law, my son, they all play rough on it. Then one day they dunked it and it broke. It's like, all right. And then Marcelo bought another one at some point. And it just was no dice. It just broke. And so we haven't had one for like seven years. But my next door neighbor just redid their entire backyard and the thing looks like a freaking all-inclusive resort so my wife's looking out the window and she's like we need to get a basketball goal it looks so great the next door neighbor has one i'm like we don't so what do we need one for let's just wait and redo our entire backyard first and then figure out what we're gonna do we can get one but let's just see how we're gonna resituate everything why do you want to get one right now and it's because well we have people coming over tomorrow we want to entertain people we don't want people to be bored we want people to have something to do it's like what we do these parties all the time. No one's ever bored. And if you're bored, then don't come over. Like, are you kidding me? So I'm a little agitated. So she decides to buy this thing anyway. Which one should I get? This one or this one? I go, I don't care. I already told you we don't need one. And you're going to get it anyway. Well, this one's closer. I, th I think I need a truck. Do you think it's going to fit in my Audi? I go, no, it's not going to fit in your Audi. If the, if the ad says bring an SUV or a pickup truck, it's not going to fit in your Audi A4. You're going to need an SUV. Our SUV is down. It's at the dealership or a pickup truck. My son has a pickup truck. So she gives him a call. He has it. She wakes him up because it's that important for this fucking basketball hoop at 830 in the morning on Saturday. But the guy decides, you know, she finds out that the guy will deliver it. And he's, he's close. He's like four miles away. I said, do, I said, do that. She goes, you think I should have him deliver it and pay whatever, 75 cents a mile? I said, yes. That intersection is like four miles away. But what, so which one should I get? I said, I don't care which one you get. Just if you're going to get one, just get it. And so we looked outside. And we're like, okay, we're going to put it right here on the concrete deck, like right here. Because the other side of the, of the yard is just full of grass. I haven't mowed the lawn in six months. We had one of those stupid child gates. We decided that we were finally... Finally going to take it, pull it up for the party and have it out of the way. So half the yard is mowed, half the yard isn't. So she gets, you know, the, the things on its way over and I'm, you know, prepping the meat. I need to get more wood for the smoker. Um, you know, I have shit I have to do also to prepare for this party. The guy's on his way over and she goes, hey, I, I think I want the basketball hoop on the other side of the pool. And I'm like, I'm looking out there and I'm like, because the grass is like a foot tall. And so I go out there and I, and so I have an electric mower. I hit the little button and I have one light on. It's like one bar of juice. I go, great. I know this thing's going to die on me. I just know it is. Let's see how much I can mow before this thing dies on me. I take the mower out and I'm going on the narrow path. I haven't started the mower yet. I'm trying to get into position. I'm on the narrow path between the pool, the small palm tree we have. And the yard. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, God damn, I don't want to fucking be out here doing this shit. I miss a step. Right into the pool. Sploosh. I was pissed. Now, here's the deal. I'm sure it's funny. I wish I had this on video. It'd be one of those videos that would get like 5 million views or whatever. Because people love watching people fuck up. And I would imagine it'd be funny as hell. So I, I get out of the water and I've got, you know, I've, I've got 
I pull out, I have my, my wallet, my metal wallet, my wife's car keys for the Audi. So I immediately disconnect one the key from the from rest. It's, and it's watertight, I'm sure. And I sit on the counter. I look up. My wife's looking at me just dying laughing. And I give her this look. And here's the deal. I wasn't even mad that she's laughing that I fell into the pool. But, like, she comes out. She goes, oh, my God, are you are you okay? So laugh. And I go, I'll find out later because I'm kind of I'm agitated. I'm agitated because my fucking car died. I'm agitated because he bought this stupid basketball goal because she decided we needed one, one we haven't had one in seven years. I'm agitated at the situation. I got to mow the lawn. I got shit to do. And I fell into the goddamn pool. But I fell in a way where you would think I would have pulled my groin, but instead I hyperextended my hip. My hip like popped the wrong way. So as each day passes, my hip hurts a little bit more. I'm like, okay, whatever. I go to Home Depot, buy some wood, and I'm thinking to myself, all this crap that's happened, there's a lot of weekend left. There's a lot of weekend left. Don't even have to be upset. There's a lot of weekend left. So I'm cooking the ribs. Boom. Loud boom. We're sitting in the kitchen, and just this loud boom. I look over, and there's like two different clouds. There's, There's the normal smoke from the smoker, and then there's this new darker smoke from the smoker. My wife comes in from outside because she's grilling like chicken. And she's like, oh, my God, I almost died. It sounded like an explosion, honey. She goes, yeah, the freaking lid popped open on the Traeger. I started doing some research. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I guess there's a part of it that I have to clean that I've never cleaned. (laughs) So, yeah. One of our guests used the basketball as a flotation device. I don't think anybody touched the basketball goal. Not while I was paying attention. Sure, glad we fell in the pool for that. Anyway, coming up after this word for four wheel online, Billy Johnson and then student loan forgiveness. What does it really mean? Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about four wheel online. For over a decade, four wheel online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. The truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4 Online, the number 4 Wheel Online. Billy Johnson, race week out there? Yes, at VIR. Yeah, tell us what you're doing at VIR, other than obviously racing, and then we'll get into how people can win your GT500. Awesome. So, yeah, here at Virginia International Raceway for the IMSA GT4 race in the the Mustang, as well as the Lamborghini Super Trofeo race, which is a back-to-back doubleheader weekend uh, racing on Saturday and Sunday. I think I'd asked you this before because those are two completely different vehicles on the road, but in the on the racetrack, does it just kind of feel like you're driving the same thing, just slightly tweaked? No, they are quite a bit different. Um, not just because one's a Mustang, one's a Lamborghini, but just from the uh, horsepower rules and and everything like that. The Mustang is restricted back towards uh, less than 500 horsepower, 475. And uh, that's just the speed and level of the GT4 class, the BMWs, the Supras, the Mercedes and Porsches that it races against. That's kind of their speed where the Lamborghini actually has roughly 100 horsepower more than the higher class GT3 spec race car. So that's kind of like the the gold standard for GT car racing across the whole world. And uh, this Lamborghini is a spec series and uh, they have over 600 horsepower so um yeah they're uh quite a bit of fun to to drive but they are actually fairly close to the street car in terms of like suspension control arms pickup points like even the uh mustang has some aftermarket major suspension components to it so uh in in some ways the gt4 class they're fairly similar but maybe a little bit more uh bespoke race parts than um than the Lamborghini Super Trofeo, even though the Lamborghini is about 10 seconds a lap faster than the Mustang and actually 
very similar in uh, lap times to GT3 spec mm. race cars. So Billy Johnson, professional race car driver for hire, a hired gun, assassin behind the wheel. <laughs> um, so it sounds like you're on the go. So how can how can someone win your GT500? So, yeah, I was one of the development drivers on uh, many projects from like the Shelby GT350, the Ford GT, and the, the new GT500. And Dan from Cruise for a Cause reached out and uh, just from my background, being heavily involved with the development of the 500 for uh, winning the IMSA GS championship in the factory GT350 RC and uh, being one of the Le Mans drivers <clears throat> who worked on the development of the car as well as uh, raced the 4GT at Le Mans, the number 66. Uh, Dan was like, hey, uh, we have this uh, charity and uh, a fundraiser for cancer research that we do every year. Uh, can we make a, a Billy Johnson uh, signature series GT500, like a, a one of one. And what would you want to have done to the the 500, uh, given or given my development involved with it? So it was kind of a clean slate, and I got to say, I wish the car had this. I'd love it for it to have that. And uh, we checked off those boxes and and really built this uh, this car that actually started off as a heritage edition so it's the britney blue that light metallic blue that's kind of or silvery blue mm -hmm. and uh then on top of that made the the billy johnson signature edition so it has the carbon fiber invented front fenders that the 500 should have had from the factory but that was kind of uh nixed late in the development of the car to uh, a much lighter carbon fiber hood uh, more horsepower, probably closer to 800 horsepower than the the factory 760. A carbon fiber trim inside and out, custom seat covers uh, or whatever the seats were redone in in leather and uh, a different leather. And yeah, so the the whole thing is uh, to raise money for cancer research. 100% of the the proceeds uh, goes towards cancer research, uh, nobody involved. Actually, it's pretty much just Dan and uh, all the great partners that have been involved in the, the build of the car um, who put this to, together to, to raise money. So nobody's making money off of this. And right. uh, it's great to uh, actually see that and hear that rather than uh, some charities that like very little goes towards the, the cause. So uh, yeah, you can win this uh, 2022 one Shelby GT 500 heritage with the Billy Johnson signature series on, on top of that uh, for as little as I think the littlest you can get tickets for is like 20 or 25 bucks mm. for like 20 tickets. And uh, you can spend as much as you want as a, a ride off towards the cause. And uh, you can enter that at www.cruise for the number four cruise, the number four, a cause.org. Cruise number four, cruiseforacause.org. Opportunity right. to win Mr. Billy Johnson's signature, signature edition. That's that's pretty cool. You fully <laughs> spec'd out. It's like this is what you would you would do if you just got a clean slate. Someone can pick up your spec. Does a winner get to meet Billy Johnson? Uh possibly. <laughs> you're not, we're this not, we're not sure yet. Huh? Pretty special. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Hey, good. Well, so by the time this airs, you will have already, you know, completed your weekend. So best of luck out to you. Best of luck to you out there. As always, thank you for spending time on the show. You're welcome back anytime, as I've said. And if you got anything to, to uh, any, any charities or anything to, to push, by all means, my man, wide open door. I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, hitting me up and uh, yeah, I'll be back on. <laughs> I want to thank Billy Johnson for joining the show. He's uh, that's probably his fourth or fifth time being on here, so it's always appreciative. He's a very technical person, um, but he's also fun to talk to. And they he got a podium. They got podium this weekend. So at the time of the call, he was getting ready to race. But uh, you know, here we are on Sunday evening, and I was checking social media, and uh, they got podium in the Lamborghini that he was racing. So super cool. Looks like third place. Maybe they got second and third. I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell, but it looked like two people on the stage. It looked like two people on the podium were celebrating. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. 
but at least third, maybe second or third. Let's hop right into the student loan forgiveness. You know, Wes Tankersley is, uh, you guys know Wes Tankersley. We do One Drink Wednesday. He was on a recent episode. And, of course, Brian Kalma, very cerebral in his thoughts and his approach. <laughs> Brian Kalma joining us again. Wes Tankersley needs no introduction. Brian has actually been on the show more than Wes, I'm pretty sure, which is quite interesting. Both big-time baseball guys. But as I mentioned in the opening, we're not talking about baseball. We're going to talk about student loan forgiveness and what that really means. This is the third time we've had this topic. It's been a long time since we've talked about it. But now it sounds like it is what it's going to be. And the world, like always, lost its mind. This time Biden says $10,000 uh, or up to 10000 I think. Um, I did a little research on it. 125000 but there's a lot of like details that are yet to be. Brian, what is your thoughts? And then we'll go to Wes, and then we'll try to find out some numbers and see what this really means, if it means anything. Yeah, so I um, actually was like uh, looking up a little information on this to prep for this conversation. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because um, I think there was another podcast maybe sometime last year that I talked to you, um, Jay, um, about this topic. And I think we're talking with another uh, another one of your friends, uh, but um, I was of the opinion where um, I was not somebody who was supportive of uh, loan forgiveness um, because you know I come from and you might call it old school, but I come from the mentality where you know I went to school, yeah, I had student loans, I had multiple student loans, um, and fortunately enough, I was able to pay it off um, all in full uh, five years ago now. Um, so. Um, so in my mind, just kind of what comes up, like, you know, kind of from, you know, just a quick glance is that, okay, so now, now that this thing is being passed, so, you know, like what, what happens with those who were actually able to pay off their student loans? Like, you know, and man, like, like going back in, you know, I think in my mind, high time 2020, man, if I was able to get like 10 or $20,000, you know, forgiven from my loans, you know, what could I have done with that? Like, you know what I mean? And so, um, fully understand that, you know, sometimes it's just timing is everything, right? Because if, if I still owed something back and I qualified, then yeah, it would pertain to me. And, you know, I, I fully, uh, I, I fully own that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be somebody who would complain about getting that help. But then, you know, the question in my mind at this point is what happens to those who have, you know, done the work to pay off all of their loans. And so with that, it's kind of like the other thought in my head is that I didn't get any help doing that. You know, like personally, I didn't get any help or any, you know, personal loans from any institutions. I didn't get any personal loans from like friends or family. Did it all on my own. Now I'm on the side of the fence where I'm like, well, now I'm helping other people that I don't know, you know, using portions of my tax money to forgive portions of their student loans. Yeah. So that's kind of my take on it. Like, you know, just kind of from the, from the very start. Is it, you know, why should I have to pay for other people's shit? Pretty much, yeah. 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 And it's, it's one of those things. It's just like, you know, um, and you know, me Jay, like, you know, uh, years ago when I paid off those student loans, uh, five years ago, it were, it wasn't just the student loans that my wife had, you know, the balance that we had, you know, at that point in time, it was our car notes. It was our, our credit card, uh, debt that we had at that time. And literally in one day's time, I, I calculated that, you know, if I were to pay off all of the loans that we had, you know, like credit cards, cars, and the student loans between myself and my wife, I would have to drop $35,000 today to do that. And I did it, you know, without anybody's help, you know, it was just me and my wife doing this and making sure that we, you know, did the work and the sacrifices that we had to do to do that. I didn't do it with any help. So why should my tax dollars help out some other folks? Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jay and I, we talked about this before too, but I have had uh, you know, I have, I went back to school. So like I worked in the private, you know, I worked as a tired guy for, for 11 years, went back to school and got two degrees and I have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. My wife also probably has about the same, which is, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous in one that they give that type of money to people. Like they allow them. I feel like it's kind of like the, the mortgage market, you know, in 2007, it's like predatory lending because they're giving money that you should not have. Like there should be some sort of you got to start paying it back now or you can't take it or you actually have to be able to qualify to pay for it back, which is just ridiculous the way that they're giving out that money because it's, it's kind of the same way that they're going to give this $10,000 to you. It's like, you don't make this much money. Now, if I would have stayed being a teacher, 
I would have got $10,000. Um, I don't know what the take on it is with, um, you know, dual income. Cause like my wife, she would fall under that low income. She'll get to 10,000 if it's not combined. Cause if it's combined, no one's getting anything. But I also know that I paid $50,000 in taxes this year, pretty damn close. So I will pay $50,000 in taxes this year when it's all said and done. And most of that, you know, I don't know where they, where it all disperses, but we're still paying, we're doing the same thing, right? So our tax money, even if we don't get that, is going to be going towards paying for someone else who didn't go get a good job, didn't work hard. Like, I mean, I can pay them off and in the end I will, but I'm not going to pay a dime until I see that they stop like, you know, if they're going to do it. Because I feel like if they're going to give it, I should take it because why wouldn't a person who's hardworking, like if you had it, if you still had the same loans, Joy, I mean, it, it, you would probably take it because why wouldn't you? They're going to give it to everyone else. You should get your share. But I do agree. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak for you, but I, I do think that like it's we took the loans. We're the person who took that loan and we are responsible for it. I think the biggest thing that needs to come from this whole damn thing is reform on the way that they hand out that money. Yeah, it's well said. And I'm like Brian was saying, and, and Wes, you know, because we talk all the time. Um, my mindset on this whole thing is, look, like any other responsible person, I signed on the dotted line. And we talked about this last time, Brian. There's a big difference when you're signing on the dotted line when you're a little younger and being sold oh. a future. And the future that they're selling a lot of people under this education just doesn't work in today's world anymore. Uh -huh. um, but with this whole pause on student loans, sure, you could pay back the interest. You can pay it back interest-free. And we'll get into that in a second because I think that's an interesting thing is I was just going to wait like everybody else. And once it's time to start paying, it's time to start paying again. Because at the end of the day, it's what are you going to pay first? Your student loans? No, you're going to pay your rent or your mortgage. You're going to pay your car note. You're going to pay your utilities, whatever else extra you have, pay off your credit cards. The responsible person, like a, like a Brian, because you're very yeah. careful with your money. I, was, I would say you probably represent less than 1% of Americans easily. Um, well over 90%, probably 95% don't even have any sort of retirement plan set up. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's I was paying on it before when we were barely making any money we do quite well now so i can still pay on it i should still pay on it but i wasn't going to do anything until they told me i needed to and unfortunately for myself kind of like us we don't qualify we make yeah. we make too much money you know and then myself you brian you know what i do <laughs> you know, i do for work you know i make too much money i don't qualify i didn't qualify for any of the other things that they they've handed out in the last two years either and now my wife doesn't qualify either but we may have already paid off our student loans. I don't even remember, but I know I have about 40 grand to pay. And when it's time to pay it, I'll pay it. But uh, go ahead, Brian. And I was going to say like, and, and you touched on it too, Jay, like you elaborated on what Wes was going to say, because I was just going to piggyback off of his uh, notion of, you know, you work hard, you get a great paying job. And then now there's like kind of a ceiling, right? Like, so basically the qualification is this, is like, Jay, like you said, um, if you're a single taxpayer, then if you make, what was it, 150000 or less, then you would qualify for up to $10,000 of forgiveness. As a joint filer, if you and the person that you're filing with make up to $250,000 or less, then you would be um, so it's combined for that, that $10,000. Mm -hmm, it's combined. Yeah, yeah. so okay. annual income of $250,000 or less would get you up to $10,000 in forgiveness. Or if you qualified for a Pell Grant, that would uh, up that threshold to $20,000, right? And so... In that sense, then it's like, well, you're penalizing these people who let's just say, you know, maybe they didn't go to like Ivy League schools. Maybe maybe they went to a trade school. Maybe they went to, you know, a state university or what have you. And they, they might have more modest, you know, uh, you know, tuition to pay back, you know, loans to pay back or what have you. It doesn't mean that just because you didn't go to an Ivy League school that you didn't, you know, um, you know, go on after graduation and got a six or seven figure job. And. You right. know, whatever there's there's plenty of hardworking people that just went to a trade school or just went to community colleges or a state college or what have you and have high paying jobs and, and lucrative um incomes and stuff so why are we going to penalize those folks that had the you know the the opportunity to capitalize on a on a you know on an opportunity so that they can make the most that they can you know and and, and a lot of these folks um, do have um, exorbitant amount to pay back, you know, which mm -hmm. 
brings me to another point. Now I'll just touch on it, but I won't elaborate. But and I'll, Jay, I'll let you mediate this point. But another thing that I that I had also mentioned in the previous podcast, and I still feel now, is that you know the the, the cost of college alone is also what is you know a driving force in this. You know what I mean? And so uh, you've got colleges and universities, and even even community colleges that are that are charging you know uh, a ton of money per semester or per year. You know, to the point where students are accumulating all of these loans by the time they graduate, and then when they look at that, you know, repayment amount, you know, uh, at the end of their term, it's just like, man, you know, it's 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 an it's a sobering thing to look at. It's borderline criminal. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. it, so it's it's like so it got to the point because I think last last year they were talking about forgiving maybe up to fifty thousand dollars, and we were holding off because hell, I'll take it. Just like yeah. you were saying, Wes, hell sure. yeah, anybody would take it, you know? Sure. Um, Even I would, like I said. Sure. Yeah. You know, anybody would. Um, and then I think one of the things about paying the people who have already paid it off, it was, I had read that they were looking at only doing that for people who had made payments during this freeze. So the pandemic era. So someone like you, Brian, who paid it off five mm-hmm. years ago, I wouldn't completely qualify. wouldn't necessarily qualify, but kind of like what you were saying, you know, it's, it's a lot of the things that we have in our life is about timing um Mm -hmm. yeah it's just one of those those weird things where i didn't think with because we talked about it west it's like okay well whatever they forgive we'll wait and see we probably won't even be eligible anyway right but knowing my luck i would pay it off and this is kind of you know it's controversial to you know every person but my luck i'd pay that shit off and all of a sudden it would get forgiven and then i'm like fuck kind of reversal yeah. of what you were saying, Brian, it's in a way it's like what I could have used that money on something else. Exactly. In the, yeah. in the modern era, you know, because again, going back, you know, what are you going to pay for first? And there's a, the mindset of, it's not a bad, it's not a wrong mindset, but I think it can be narrow at times is, you know, my taxpayer money shouldn't be paying for X because the shitty reality is our tax money is paying for all sorts of shit. You know, yep. at the end of the day, if it's paying, help pay, paying another person's student loans off, you know, collectively, whether it's five cents out of my taxes, I'd rather do that than have my taxpayer money funding uh, some other nation's, you know, warfare weaponry type of deal. Sure. But it, like, if we really knew where all our tax money was going, no one would ever pay taxes and this, this uh, country would like implode. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one of the things too, that is amazing. And I, I, I think we've all been around here, Brian, I don't know how old you are, but, um, you know, 76, Bush, 80, seven, okay. 41, <laughs> just turned 41 a couple months oh, ago. Okay. So we're the same age. So when we were in high school, you know, it was like the Bush era and then Obama and then, you know, everyone else is like push college. Everyone needs to go to college. Everyone needs to go to college. Well, we generated all these people with liberal arts degrees who can not make enough money. I mean, I got my master's degree under the guise that I was going to make 7,000 more dollars a year. Now it was a stupid decision, but they always told me, you know, as a teacher, you're going to get after 10 years of paying, you'll get it forgiven. But if you start paying and then you go back to school, that tenure starts over when you start taking more loans. Well, making $38,000 a year starting off, there's no damn way I could pay for a master's. But I knew that if I was going to be teaching for that amount of time, I needed to get that master's degree. And so they're telling you that this is what you can do. But my mother-in-law is sitting downstairs. She worked 15, 20 years, had student loans paid on them the whole time. And they still won't forgive her student loans because it's so hard to get them forgiven in education that there's just all these these little processes that you have to go through. They make these promises to you. They're telling you that this is the way it's going to be. Well, my thought process after I went back to school and got my degrees has changed completely because I make four times as much money as I did as a teacher, as a salesman. So I just, I don't know. I mean, like everyone's telling us we got to go to college. We got to go to college. We got to go to college. It's the only way you're going to make money. It's the only way you're going to have a career and it's bullshit and they're still pushing it. Well, now that we're at this, uh, at this decision and at this point, it's, you know, like where do they come up with up to $10,000? You know, how did you start it? It could be 50, it could be whatever. And by the way, I don't know the exact number. Maybe one of you guys do, but how many billions have they already forgiven for the ITT and all the old trade schools? Cause you could kind of like, where do you, you keep moving the goalposts because you know, where do yeah. you draw that line? Because I went to a, like a division two school and their focus was it and medical. Whereas, yeah. you know, I have a degree in biometric security, Brian, what am I doing with biometric security? And it's not my fault that right. I can't get a job in biometric security. 
but that's a lot of it. And, and I, and I understand it. And, and again, I say that I have the ability, the means now I didn't have the means then, but I do have the means now. And I've never defaulted on my student loans either, by the way, but yep. when given the opportunity for some forbearance, I definitely took it when those teams, those times came. But I mean, I fully plan on paying off my student loans that I owe because I owe it, but not everybody yep. is in that position. And it's, it's weird to, to see so many people get so upset about things without really understanding what those things really mean on social media, obviously. Like the reason why we're all here today talking is because we're all very insightful, experienced people that are more than willing to talk through anything. Yeah. So you, you bring up a good point, Jay, because this is, I, I, I like literally was like reading up different articles this morning, again, just to prep for this. One thing that came to mind when I was reading some of those articles about, you know, just kind of facts about, you know, the loan forgiveness was, just like you said, like forbearance, uh, deferment, you know, e even penalties, right? So let's just say, you know, um, you know, somebody who is a, a former student is paying back to student loans. Um, they might have had penalties, late payments, things like that. You know what I mean? It was going to be erased. I mean, you can say easily, okay, yeah, you, you might qualify for $10,000, you know, on your, on your forgiveness, on your remaining balance. But okay, like, now that this is in place, like, are you going to erase my, you know, my, my late payments or whatever other penalties that I have? Because those are above the balance that I was agreeing to pay anyway in the first place. But for one reason or another, life happens, you know, and you, and you accumulate these penalties. Now, are you going to forgive those fully and not count those against my $10,000 forgiveness on my, on my remaining balance? I mean, shit happens, right? So, I mean, it's, there, there, there's a lot of questions when it comes to how this is going to be applied. It's a good point though, Brian, because it's, again, one of the, where do you come up with 10,000 first off, you know, that's just some number they pulled. And then, you know, with all the penalties and stuff, I, I think I was reading on one of the articles that, you know, there's, cause now it's like, how would you do it or how should they have done it if they were going to do it? And I think getting rid of all of that shit, like bailing out the interest owed and still having people be responsible for their full, you know, their full balance their full principal because one of the biggest complaints we've had is if you don't pay it off at a certain amount of time, once that, once that time expires, it's like on a credit card, all that interest comes back and now you're back behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. And if you're not making money, yeah. all you can do is afford literally the minimal payments. You're going to be paying for 40 years, 45 years. Yep. And when I'm a struggling 20 year old, 22 year old, when they tell me, Hey, if you delay this by 12 months, we're going to add another year onto the end of this 40 year term, I'm thinking fine, because I'm not worried about that shit today. Today I'm worried about all this other stuff that's right in front of me that if I don't pay it within 30 days, I'm fucked. My credit's mm -hmm. fucked. Everything's fucked. So what am I going to pu push off? You know, the thing that's going to hurt me the least in the short term, Wes. I can't even figure out how they can decide based on what your wages are that you can get 10,000 back because I think it's just ridiculous. Like you look in Idaho, I mean, for instance, if I was still a teacher, which I'm not, started out $38,000 a year. This year, I probably would have made $48,000 a year mm. or $48,000 this year, and it's $1,000 more each year. How are they going to say that you can be able to afford to pay back $100,000 of student loans with a $47,000 $47, a year paycheck? I mean, that's the thing. It's like you think about that when you go and calculate, because we're thinking about buying a house right now, and they're going to calculate the student loans into that. They calculate 1% of it. I mean, 1% of $100,000 is $1,000, right? That's how much one payment is. And the times that times two, there's 2,000. So you're expecting two people who, you know, we would have made $100,000 a year to, to dedicate, you know, $2,000 out of our paycheck to pay back the student loans. You know, it's, they just, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like, it. I, I think the timing is convenient and I don't want to talk about that, but I think that they're going to try and push this out as fast as they can because they got to get it in there before. What would you do differently if you were the, the administration? Let's just, I mean, let's assume you have to find a way to forgive something. What would you do differently? I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it has to be, they reform mortgages, right? They reform that. They, they reform the way that you get that money paid out. And I think that what they need to do is maybe they just turn off the interest for, for good for those people who have them and then, and then adjust the way that they give that money out. Whereas if you don't, you know, they base it on, okay, well, what is your degree going to be? It's going to be education. This is what you make. This is how much we'll give you. We're not going to give you any more than that because you're never going to be able to afford to pay it. You're never going to be able to afford to buy a house. 
never going to be able to afford the car payment. Um, you know, like in a place like Seattle or San Francisco where public transportation is there, that I mean, it makes it a little bit easier for people. But like a place like Idaho where you got to drive everywhere to get to your job and all those things, it just doesn't make any sense. Not everyone needs to go to college. And what happened is we're telling everyone they need to go to college and now we're taking away from these trades. There's people who aren't willing to go out and do that because they thought that they had to go to college because someone told them to. And then they just take their money. And I mean, you can get a ton of money. I think I was, I think when I was, when I first got married and I first started getting loans, I was getting, well, I got a little bit of a Pell Grant because I wasn't making much money, but you could get like $10,000 a year at least. And it's more than what you needed. But as a dumbass kid, you're sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to take it all. And I'm going to buy the things that I want to buy now and pay for my school because I need to live. And you should never have that, that much money in your hand when you're not paying it back. I mean, the excess should have gone back into paying off the other one or something, but they don't teach kids about that. You know, 19 year old kid being married like I was, it's a completely different situation than just some kid who's, you know, living on their parents' money. So what would you do differently though, Wes, right? Like with this right now, is 10,000 enough? Is 10,000, some people could say it's way too much. Some people could say it's not nearly enough. <clears throat> what? It's not enough because the cost of a, education at a four-year school is around fifty thousand dollars is it not brian what's your thoughts yeah depending on the school yeah. depending yeah. on the school so like um you know is ten thousand dollars no that was my that was my first reaction to it exactly is that ten maybe twenty thousand isn't enough you know um and the thing about that is is that like i i always go back to okay it, it is the cost of school i think that is the root cause of all of this yeah and, and like you said, Wes, like during the era that we were growing up, it's that, you know, you're, you're just trying to get kids into these colleges and universities because that was just the roadmap that everybody had to follow. One thing that I read a point on an article that I read earlier this morning was that, um, you know, one thing uh, is, is that is, is there a possibility of like the government regulating uh, tuition at, uh, at universities? You know, it, it's probably a very dangerous mm -hmm. slope to, to try to tread, but the thing about it is, is that if you think about it, it's just, it's very variable just depending on what type of university, whether private, public, Ivy League, whatever, what have you. And just to kind of give you just kind of a, a perspective. Uh, so my cousin, he actually had gotten into MIT and Harvard. Um, and so I, I kind of asked him about that. I was like, yeah, I remember back in the day and he's a year older than me. I was like, I know that you actually went over to Harvard and, and did a campus tour and all that kind of stuff and, and things like that. And, and basically, I was like, well, well, why didn't you pursue going to Harvard? And then he, it was, it was a one quick response. He goes, because I wouldn't be able to afford it. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's not that he didn't have the intelligence. It's not that he didn't have the work ethic. It's, it costs too damn much just to attend a, a place like Harvard University. You know, um, it makes so, you, as yeah. you say that, I start to think, and then, and some people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, duh, of course, Jay, but I've never really thought about that as you're, as you're telling that story, are some of those schools and they're so expensive because they can afford to be exclusionary and they're catered to certain affluent, wealthy families for generations, generationally wealth families to kind of. I, it's hard for me to say because you guys know I'm not the race card person, but you know, go back 50, 60, hundred years. Not a lot of people can afford too much. We're given the opportunity to even make money except for, you know, white Americans, because that's what this country was built. Right. Makes me wonder though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, with, and if you didn't see the, say the term Ivy mm -hmm. league, you know, what do you think right. of, you know, you think of, affluent families who can afford to have their children not only attend, but, you know, you have to be able to have some type of um, in, in, in these institutions, whether it be through legacies or whether it be you went to a specific prep school or you went to a specific private school or what have you. And, and, and even at that level, like for instance, um, one, one, one interesting thing was that like, so my brother-in-law is actually a volleyball mm -hmm. coach, right? At, at one of the local high schools. And so, um, he actually was coaching his team during a state tournament. So I went and watched and then we were just kind of chit chatting after the game um, because it was close to my house. He came over for dinner or whatever. He and my sister came over for dinner and then um, they played against Phoenix country day school. 
And so basically they have this freshman who's like this phenom or what have you. And so we were talking about that. And he basically was like, do you know who like the kids that go to Phoenix Country Day? I was like, I have no idea. He goes, Robert Sarver's kids go there. Um, just naming off a bunch of these just very affluent families in all of Arizona. And I came to find out that Country Day Schools is a network of schools around, you know, different areas. Like they have one in La Jolla, they have, you know, a few in, in Florida or what have you. And it, it's just setting up so that affluent families are able to have these opportunities. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is something to what you just said. It's there, like yeah. the educational secret handshake type of deal. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wes. Well, it's interesting too, because I sit there and I think about that. It's like, how many times have you heard that story about the kid who is trying to get into Stanford, trying to get into Harvard, trying to get into Yale? They're the ones who are going to go broke doing it. Um, the, the affluent kids are the ones who can just go because their parents are going to pay for it or they're a legacy and they got a scholarship and they got, you know, they got some, some type of handout anyway in the, in the get go. They know they're in as a high school freshman. They already have it laid out. Remember being a senior, not knowing. Well, a lot of people, unless you're you know, a good athlete, you, you guys were, were athletes, I wasn't. But you're just looking around like your average kid has no idea what their next step is. But there were some people that already had it figured out and planned out, and they were the ones that weren't stressing about anything. Sure. Yeah, and I looked sure. at it like when I was – when because I, so, I did get a – I got a partial scholarship to go play football, and I looked at that, and my parents didn't look at it the same way. My, my dad, I had this conversation with him because I think, Jay, I talked to you about it like – I think that a lot of people are ignorant to the fact of the way that this money is coming out. Like they think that just because you're getting it, it like the child, child tax credit was like, Oh, we're getting a free handout. We're getting a child. You know, it was, we were getting it in advance. It wasn't, it wasn't like we were getting extra money. Right. You were getting your child tax credit in advance. And so when my dad went off about it, about us getting our student loans forgiven, I looked at him and I said, do you really know what's going on? Because a lot of people don't know what's going on. And I won't qualify. Um, we, it sounds like, uh, according to you, Brian, that if you have, we might qualify, you know, because our combined mm-hmm. income is under 250. Um, yeah, so you would. Yeah, so we may qualify. I may be wrong, mm-hmm. but that's still, you know, $10,000. It's, it's funny how when you start making more money, how that's like not. It used to feel like a lot. lot of money. Yeah. You know, Applebee's used to I feel mean, like a really nice date, date night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we've all exactly. been there. Yeah. But some people are there. Yep. Yeah. Well, when you owe, when you owe a hundred thousand dollars, 10,000 doesn't even really put a dent in it. I mean, that's all there is to it. And then, you know, that's, that's the yeah. tough part. And when, and I'm not, I do make more money, but it wasn't because I got educated. I make more money because I went out and I found a job that paid me more money. And so I would have never paid off my student loans, probably like Jay was saying, like it could be 40 years. I could, it could take me my whole teaching career to pay off, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in loans just for myself. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it all goes back to like, is the $10,000 enough? And, you know, the more I think about it is just like, like I said, at the, at the start of the show, like, yeah, if, if, if I did qualify, if, if I were still paying back loans and I did qualify for the $10,000 forgiveness, then yeah, I, I could think of, you know, a lot of things that I could use that $10,000 for. But like now that I'm looking at it through the lens of like you said, Wes, like if, if you all have like over $100,000 of, you know, loans left to pay, it's like, well, that $10 is, is going to help with that. What, but to what end, right? To what point? Yeah. Um, you know, because you're still going to have that hanging over your head. Um, and then you, if you think about it further, you're just like, okay, well, um, I'm going to want to retire at some point, but I'm still going to have to be paying back these loans. And so when am I going to be able to retire? Like fully retire. And when I, when I say retire, my idea of retirement means that I don't have any like outstanding, like student loans hanging over my head. I have a a limited amount of uh, credit card or car note loans hanging over my head, if if not any at all. Um, And I, and I hope that I'm very close or already have achieved paying off my mortgage. You know, to me, that is, retirement is it's not just i don't have to go to work anymore but i am financially independent to the point where i can take my savings from my pension my 401k or 3b or whatever that is and then use it to either save and reinvest or to you know use it for my living expenses you know um but if you continue to still have you know ninety thousand dollars left to pay like how long is that going to take you know um I mean, you can, you can be like any profession you want, whether you're like a physician, a lawyer, or, or a business owner, what have you. But hey, $100,000 of student loans or any type of loan is still $100,000. And that's a hefty price to pay. 
you know, so how long are you going to be able to be, how long is it going to take to be able to you, for you to be free of that? You know, it, it, it's, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And, and the other thing about it is too, is that like most of what I read was either on like uh, the Miami Herald or something like that, which brought up like a lot of good points and questions about this loan forgiveness. And one of the things is, is that it, could this open up a possibility of these colleges and universities having some type of, you know, um, justification in their minds of raising their, their tuitions even further? Mm. Oh, well now, you know, there's, you know, loan forgiveness out there. So now in the end, you're going to have less people, you're going to have less loans to pay, you know, in the end, which is the idea, right? So therefore that must mean that people might have more disposable income to, you know, devote towards things like further education. Oh, Hey, by the way, we got to go ahead and jack, you know, jack up the prices, you know, on our tuition because of this reason or that reason, you know, and, you know, and if you look at, you know, different things like, you know, I know I touched on like Ivy League schools and like, and the price point to go to an Ivy League school is something exorbitant anyway. But let's just say you go to a school that's like a university or a state school. And let's just say those um, universities and schools are, um, you know, big uh, sports powerhouses, right? Where does a lot of that tuition go? So I went to, I went to Arizona State University, right? By no means like a, a powerhouse of anything, but, but is well known for a lot of their sports programs, national championships in, in certain areas, you know, things like that. But I mean, they just renovated Sun Devil Stadium over like a five-year period and that costed millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, while I was still going to school, my tuition was being hiked up 12% at least every year that I was there. And the justification for it was to, you know, build more facilities, build more, um, you know, uh, dorm rooms, things like that, or what have you. On top of that, you've got your, you know, your textbooks and, and all that other stuff that you got to pay for. I mean, yeah, I get having to pay for textbooks and all that stuff. But what if I'm a student that doesn't give a damn about sports, but my college tuition is going towards the renovation of a stadium or a practice facility or what have you. I mean, uh, and, and the competition at that point becomes non-academic anymore. It becomes about something other than, you know, uh, the students who really want to go there to, you know, to, to fulfill some type of professional dream or academic dream. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it seems dirty. It makes me sick. I watched that whole thing. I watched the same thing. I went to Boise State University when they were getting really big and, and they're not quite as big as they were before, but they went and they took and renovated a whole soccer field to turn it into a practice football field. And then the next year tore down another building and built an actual football practice facility for them. It's just like, you gotta be kidding. I paid for that. And you can't tell me that the gate for that ticket or for that game, every single one that came in there paid for everything that's there. It's that is, it's right. Well, those are excellent um, points. And they kind of go into my whole thing about earlier. It's like, we choose to, not really pay attention to things that are happening until it feels like it's directly impacting us to something we, do, you know, we don't agree with. Your tuition is going to pay for renovations, school, you know, you, all of a sudden your, your, your college is in the national, you know, uh, the national eye because they do the Statue of Liberty play and, and beat Oklahoma, right? Right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But it's the same deal with the taxpayers. Or, you know, if, if sports is an excellent example, Brian. So, you know, our team's getting better and better, and now they want to build a new stadium. That stadium's going to cost $3 billion. Right. Everybody in the state, in the city, your money, you're going to get taxed more. It's subsidizing you know, vote, it. vote for mm -hmm. Prop yep. 846. You know, just say no, because right. if you say yes, you're going to pay 6% more taxes to pay for that stadium. You know, so it's it's the okay. same thing, really. Like, you're they're taking your tax money and doing whatever they want with it. But I got in kind of a a heated discussion with a friend of mine. He's a financial advisor and he's, he's saving up money. He's paying for all his kids college. And I said, dude, there's a lot of people who can't do that. I said, you're looking at mm -hmm. this through the lens of somebody who, and he's, he's worked hard for everything he's ever had, but he's turning around and giving it everything to everyone, you know, in his family because he had to work so hard for it to begin with. But the argument was, I said, this $10,000, it doesn't feel like it's going to, it's, it's not impactful. And he goes, what do you mean it's not impactful? I go, here's why it's not impactful. Because we haven't been paying on our student loans in two years, two and a half years. So now you're just taking this, even if I was able to qualify, you're taking $10,000 off of what I owe, but I haven't felt it because I haven't been paying on it every month for 24 months. Now, if I've, if I've been paying for it every month, now it's like, okay, thank God you're going to take it off on the front end. And right. that $500 that I'd be paying every month, 
that I've been scraping and and doing Uber or Lyft just to make sure I pay everything. God, now now I don't have to do Uber and Lyft. Or now that money can go towards something else. So it's it just feels like it's not really gonna be felt if it makes if that makes any sense because people aren't paying on it right now. It'll be felt by the people who have about ten thousand dollars left on their belt. Exactly. Right. right. Because it's it's gonna it's gonna be the 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 ultimate form of the forgiveness because that's either actually what they owed anyway or that's what they have left to pay. Right. I'm Those are at, the people that are going to feel it. Yeah, my mother-in-law downstairs right now. We just were talking about this yesterday. That's she owes a little bit less than ten thousand dollars, and she's going to have her student loans paid. She just retired this year, oh, still paying for her student right. loans, and she's going to be able to to not have a student loan anymore because it's going to be forgiven. Yeah, but for the people I mean, making thirty, for her, forty, fifty, but damn, it should have never gotten right. that far. You yeah. know, you know the West Tankersleys of the world. You know the people who are, who owe forty, fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars. They're not. You're not going to feel it was, even if you're eligible. But if anything, yeah, no. you're going to remember who, which president gave it to you, and it, you know, it feels, you know, I, that's, I, yeah. And I mean, I don't want to get into that, but that's that's it. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like it's a ploy. It's just like it's it's one of those things. Like, if we can get this done quick enough, then those people who are going to college right now, or you know, have ten thousand dollars, like you said, they're going to feel it and they're going to feel good about that because they got something to pay it off. My brother. You know, he he paid all his off. He's an engineer, and he looked at. We were having this conversation, and he was like, "What? So now my kids get to go to college for free, or what? What's the what's the outcome of these people who are starting to go to college now?" If you right. want, it goes so we can wrap this up. But if if you want, I think if you really want to impact people, say everybody paying over three percent, you're no longer allowed to pay over three percent on your house or your whatever, or your whatever things that impact people on a day to day basis. I think that's how you, yeah. you, you fix things and make and get a lot more uh, votes because it's 10,000. Like you said, Brian, everybody who owes 10,000 or less, anybody who owes 20,000, now you owe 10,000. Oh. Yeah. It's going to feel great to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But are they the ones that really need it? Right. Because they were, they were either the ones who were able to afford getting that balance down to that level or, you know, I mean, or they didn't do four yeah, years of school. You know, you can you can rack yeah, up twenty thousand yeah, dollars exactly. in student loans and and not graduate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Easily. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think the biggest thing out of this whole conversation is, even though and we're talking about the amount of money and what it's how it's going to impact us, is the fact that they cannot stop here by just giving people money. They have to figure out a way to make it. You know, whether it's a requirement that you go to a community college the first two years of your school so that it's cheaper mm-hmm. so that when you fail out of a community college versus a four-year university that costs the amount that it costs or finding some way to say, well, what is your job? Are you going to qualify to make this payment back when you graduate? You know, those types yeah. of things. Well, and, and the thing about that is along with that, um, is that, is this going to be sustainable? Cause you can, you can uh, forgive $10,000 to $20,000 for, you know, millions of Americans all you want, but that doesn't fix the, the problem of, you know, higher education, Correct. because you're still going to have, you know, incoming, you know, freshmen that are still going to be having to pay those tuitions, yep. you know, from their universities and their community colleges. And, you know, within four or five years, their debt is going to rack up. And then, like you said, Wes, you know, a lot of times for people, you know, in certain, um, in certain types of professions after graduating, you know, a lot of times the amount that they're going to be compensated for the profession is not going to be able to speak for the amount that they paid for the education that got them there in the first place. Right. So there is no sustainability here. So for me, like my whole thing about this is going back to your question, Jay, how do you fix this? You don't fix it just by the loan forgiveness. You fix this to be sustainable so that if you have people who do decide to go to a four-year university or what have you, then it is affordable you know, that it is something that is accessible to people who actually do qualify, i.e. my cousin that actually, you know, should have gone to Harvard, but just didn't because, you know, he wasn't willing at that point to pay, you know, back in like 1998, when he would have started college, $40,000 per year. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy because we're, we're just going to have the same problem over right. and over and over again, because we have the same root of the problem persisting. Well For said. a damn piece of paper, that doesn't mean shit whether it says harvard or boise state or right. you know i mean yeah mm-hmm. some community college right Wes, brian thank you this has been every once in a while we have these type of episodes uh this is definitely the non-automotive part of the of the podcast uh, but hopefully they don't hand out checks they just take it from the bottom line yeah 100 percent. that is exactly where that needs to come from all right fellas <laughs> Beep, beep.
Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Brian. Um, guys, tell me what you thought about it. Hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. There's also going to be a thread uh, over on uh, Hard Parking Violations. We have over 300 people who have liked and joined that page on Facebook. Thank you very much. Not all 300 of you listen to the show, but I do appreciate you being there. It's, it's, it's one of the, like I said in the beginning, it's one of those things. It's okay to have an opinion on both sides, but have an educated one, I guess, is all I would ask. And, you know, where do you fall on that? You know, have, have you heard anything that's kind of changes your mindset a little bit? You know, for some people, you know, depending on where you are in life, it might mean something different. I still believe that, I mean, if, if they decide to take $10,000 off of my student loans, cool. That means I'll be paying them for 30 years instead of 40. It doesn't really matter to me anymore. Now, if you're going to give me 50000 or 20000 or 30000 it's like, wow, that's, that's great. That means I, you, you can see the end in sight. And if I had less than 10000 and now they're all forgiven, great. But again, unless I was paying on the principal, well, unless I was paying on just the interest during the pandemic era, which, by the way, that's they're saying that people who paid on it in the last two years, you might be subject to a refund. It, it's weird. I don't understand how any of that really is, is going to work. And, and the, the correct thing is, if you want it to work, you need to restructure it from the ground up. It's the same thing with healthcare. Brian and I both work in the medical industry. We're both in healthcare IT. And it's the same deal. You know, why does an MRI have to cost $2,400? I don't know. Probably because the MRI machine costs $2 million. Why does it cost $2 million? Maybe because, da, 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 you know, so it's just like this long chain of things that just seem to cost more than they should. Because at the end of that, at the end of that rainbow, there's greed. There's technology costs. Like new technology is always the most expensive. There's people who just don't want to budge. And it's the same deal. Why should I take money out of my pocket so it doesn't cost as much for you? And you can apply that to almost anything. Anything out there. If you're complaining about the price of stuff, that you can apply that question. Somebody at the top needs to make a sacrifice. And until they make that sacrifice, the system's going to be corrupt. Education system, somebody at the top has to make that sacrifice. Because the government could come in and maybe bail out these companies, not the people, but the government says, okay, we're wiping all this interest that's owed and people need to get back to the principal. But how do you do that with private lenders? Because there's a lot of third-party private student loan lenders because there's the federal and then there's a third party and they're combined. Don't talk to me about economics. Talk to me about reality because the reality is People are people. And people are always, it's like Brian said, you're going to go with A or you're going to go with B. Well, which one is more beneficial for me now? Which one is going to keep me out of trouble now? Give me $30,000 right now. I'm probably not putting it on student loans. I could find $30,000 worth of other shit to put it on. You know, kind of one of the reasons why I did crypto, I was curious. But also, it's like, hey, if this is if this is going to be what they say it's going to be, then by the time this forbearance, this halt in student loans is over, I may have enough money off the crypto market just to pay off my student loans. Like that is 100% honestly one of the thoughts that I had. The crypto market is in the shithole tank. So that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to have to start paying for it any day now. As soon as they say go, it's time to go. And I'm not afraid to go. And I'm not going to get out there and sign any petitions and say I shouldn't have to pay for them. I was just sitting back and waiting. Because if that meant that I owned 30 instead of 40, it was worth waiting. It was worth waiting with no penalty to see what happens. And they could still change it. They could still push this back again. And then I won't pay a dime again until I have to. One thing, right Honda and right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona, four wheel online, sell shop wireless services, Westgate exotic cars and rentals, Patreon business supporter, Kui Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida, Pell Construction out of Caledonia, Michigan, and new business supporter, Mr. Johnson out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. He'll be giving, he has like 500 businesses, so he doesn't let me know which one of them uh, he's representing through this. 
If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. I have some ranting that I need to do. I think I'm going to throw that in this week before I leave for vacation. I am on vacation next weekend, but I'm going to try to get an episode for you. It is my anniversary, 18-year anniversary. We're going to Cape Cod. Got my wife a gift. It'll be her Wednesday. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but something she's been complaining about. Where is my four-post lift for the garage? I need something too, damn it. I want to thank Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Grace, Byron Jones, Bo Jung, Alex Gamina, and Drew Bunkley. Alex was a little upset that he missed Monterey Car Week. Alex, is not my fault. It is what it is. Uh, but we tried to live it up for you, buddy, and I think we did a pretty good job. If you're interested in picking up Heartbreaking Podcast shirt, we still have them. Email the show or send a message on any of the social media platforms you find me or the show at. That's heartbreakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at jfinning, J-H-A-E-P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G. Name is in the, the show description if I said it too fast. Join the Heartbreaking Violations. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page, Heartbreaking Media. If you want to follow Billy Johnson, that's Billy J Racing on Instagram at Billy J Racing. Brian Kalma is Brian727, and obviously West Tank really shaping success. You guys know how to find him. Catch us on One Drake Wednesday, Instagram Live, Virtual Bar. I can't grow that you tell the world how great the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together, and I'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time.